Hey everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it's our mission and purpose to help you find and follow Jesus. Our message from today is from our brand new sermon series from Pastor Paul titled, I Am. In this collection of sermons from the Gospel of John, we'll be studying the I Ams of Jesus that reveal His character and sufficiency for the human soul. These declarations of Jesus unquestionably prove that He and the Father are one. And this can give us hope, purpose, and a strong desire to know Him more. So here's Pastor Paul, and we hope the message inspires and encourages you today. If you have your Bibles with me, would you turn me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15 this morning, and uh, I'm thankful, like I mentioned, one of the great things about uh, Oh, it's down all the way. Yes, it's not going to get any colder. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> yeah, no, we already had it down. Yeah, yeah. I didn't set it at 25. It set at 19. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, you guys raised the temperature. That's all right. That's all right. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, last, uh, yesterday at the event, one of the things that was such a, I don't know, that I was just uniquely connected into was, was that um, it's been a while since we've been able to serve other people, you know? I love serving you guys as a church family. I love serving you individually. Um, but I love serving with you and serving other people. And that was a real blessing yesterday to be able to do that. And so thank you to all of our volunteers. And Christian, you put so much work into that event. And uh, for those that, of course, spake, uh, Blair and Cindy shared their testimony. And uh, Stephanie shared her testimony. And then another uh, friend of mine, Jeff, uh, came and shared their story about God's redemption. And uh, I just love being able to uh, share those with, with uh, our young adults. It's encouraging. All right, we're in John chapter 15 as we finish up our seven-week study of the I Am Statements of Jesus by uh, the Apostle John. Now, John uniquely clarified these for us and, and uh, um, recorded them for us. And the point of him recording it for us is that we would know indeed and that those that are listening and those that would read the word would know for a fact that Jesus uh, is indeed the Savior of the world and that eternal life is found through him. That's really what it's all about. He wanted to make it super clear. And that's what he said. I, I want you guys to know for sure. And he was intentional in his record of Christ's ministry. And these statements that he made, church, we need to remember are integral to us understanding the completeness of God's humanity and the completeness of his deity. And so that's why these statements are there for us. And so I want to just run through them real quickly for us, just so we can remember where we're at. So first of all, we saw that uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He then said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. By the way, those, those two right there were kind of my favorites right there, the door and the shepherd and the good shepherd. And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then last week, Chris did such a great job explaining to us that Jesus said, he said, and he claimed this of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. Now, what I want us to remember is that in each of these cases here, Jesus did not say, I am a light, did he? Jesus did not say, I am a door. <laughs> I am one of the good shepherds. <laughs> he did not say those things. No, he made definitive statements when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. And what that tells us is that Jesus is unique and he is exclusive. He is the one that we need to pursue. And each of these statements that we have seen give us clarity to the uniqueness and the power of Jesus Christ. And what I wanted us to learn from this series is that as we learn more about who Jesus is, as we grow uh, in the knowledge of him, and as these character traits of Jesus uh, take on a, a meaning to us, that we would grow in who Jesus is, and then we would apply it to what, uh, what it is that, that I guess, apply who he is to our lives today and what we're going through. See, one statement I want us to get is that knowing who Jesus is 
and how uh, to apply that to our life. I think this is one element. I, I missed a sentence here. I want to get it real quick so we get it clear. One aspect of the Christian life, the key that I would say to sustainable Christian living is this phrase right here. We want sustainable everything, right? That's what everybody says. We want sustainable energy. We want a sustainable lifestyle. We want a sustainable uh, work week. But a sustainable Christian life is only going to be experienced and seen as we know who Jesus is and how to apply it to our life. So let me put it to you this way. So what does Jesus as the good shepherd, how do we apply Jesus as the good shepherd to our work situation? To the struggle that maybe you're having with a coworker. Uh, learning how to uh, apply Jesus as the bread of life to my financial difficulties that I'm going through right now, or this, this feeling of just disconnectedness that I'm having. How do I apply that to my life? See, knowing these things about Jesus can make such a difference. How does Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, how does that affect and how does that connect into my relationships with my unsaved family members or my unsaved coworkers? How does Jesus, as who he is, apply to our daily lives? I gotta tell you, when you can do that, this is one thing I've been working on in my own life. When I'm faced with a problem, I'm faced with a difficulty, one of the things I ask myself, okay, when I compare what I know about Jesus and I compare to how I'm feeling and what I'm going through in this situation, how, how do those two things connect? Because I tell you, church, Jesus does connect, okay? He does connect into every aspect uh, of our lives. So here we are again where now Jesus is giving us this final I am statement in John chapter 15. And verse number one, and I want to give you a little bit of context as we get started. First of all, they had just had the last supper in the upper room together with his disciples. Now that was a, that was a, a huge event, wasn't it? A huge event where Jesus was there. Remember what also took place at that time was Judas got up and left. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to go do what you're going to do, go and do it now. So there's a lot of things that are happening and the disciples and Jesus were together. He said to them at this point, he said, I'm not going to say a whole lot more to you. In fact, we know that there's not a whole lot recorded of, 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 of time between Jesus and his disciples. But this thing that he's about to say to them today, this seventh I am statement that he's going to make to them is very, very important because what Jesus is doing here is giving them an example. He's telling them, he's saying, listen, guys, I'm not long in this earth. But here's what I want you to know. Here is how followers of Christ can experience the fulfilled Christian life as God intended it to be. And how he's saying to them, he says, I want you to know that as Christians, you need to live a fruitful Christian life. There needs to be evidence that something has happened within you. There needs to be an outward expression of what God has done within you. And he says, I want you to be a fruitful person. And I want you to also know that the source of the fruit is Jesus himself. And so that's what we see here in the seventh one where Jesus calls himself and he says, I am the true vine. Look at verse number one of John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am, say those two words with me, the true vine. Jesus said, I am the true. If you underline in your Bible, maybe circle and underline that word right there. He is the true vine. And he says, my father, that's God the father, is the husband. And so very simple today, point number one, Jesus is the true vine. I hope you can, actually the points there are super simple. You'll get them. So Jesus is the true vine. He is the truth there in verse number one. I think it's pretty clear that when Jesus here says to us though, and this is what I, that's why I emphasize on true, that when Jesus says he is the true vine, it gives us the, in, the indication and the idea that the fact is that there could be actually false vines then. 
Remember, he did this when he talked about bread. He said, I'm the true bread. And then, he, then we saw the comparison to manna, remember in the Old Testament, and how it was a provision for the time, but it was not the ultimate fulfillment, the satis- it was not the ultimate satisfaction of all that people needed. And Jesus again said, I am the bread of life. I am the full satisfaction of everything. Well, here he says, I am the true vine. There may be others that claim to be it, but I am the true vine. Now, some of you today are sitting here, and I know that you are wondering to yourself, and maybe you've wondered this already, why is Pastor Paul wearing Air Force Ones today? I already had somebody ask me that. They said, why, Pastor, ooh, you're wearing sneakers today, you know? Because this is not in my character, as you know. I don't typically wear sneakers when I preach. I'll tell you why. So on Thursday this week, uh, actually Wednesday night after our Bible study, if we talk through uh, Revelation, um, I had had two Zoom calls. I had a Zoom call uh, with some leadership, and I had a Zoom call with somebody who was sharing their testimony um, uh, uh, at the event last night. And my wife and I were on with uh, this Zoom call and we're talking to him and we're done. I'm like, all right, I'm exhausted. It's late, it's 10 after 10 o'clock. And I stood up and my back just like, like this is what it felt like. It felt like somebody took my spine and twisted it in different directions. And then they just stuck a knife right in there just for fun, you know, just because I felt like it, right? They stuck a knife in there. And I was like, oh, like I didn't, I didn't curse, nothing like that. I was... I said, ah, you know, uh, I said, oh man, what is wrong with me? And you guys know I've been complaining about my back for a while, right? My back's been bothering me and this was like the end. And so when I got up, uh, I tried to get up on Thursday morning. I was in so much pain and I'm not embarrassed to tell you that Jeanette had to help me get dressed. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. That is, is embarrassing actually. Uh, don't, don't visualize that. But yeah, she had to help me get dressed. <laughs> And I'm like, I can't lift my leg. And she's like, trying to get my shorts. Because I had, thankfully, I had a chiropractor appointment that morning, Thursday morning, that I had set up two days before because I don't like my chiropractor. I've been looking for a new one. I found this guy. I'm like, I'm going to try him out because I still wasn't feeling great. So I had an appointment at 930. And Jeanette is helping me get ready. And she said, I've never seen you with that much pain before. And so I go to the chiropractor. And, and I'm not kidding you. For all of Thursday, I laid on the floor, pretty much on the floor in our room. I couldn't do anything. The pain was just, I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand, I couldn't do anything. It was just so painful. But when I went to my chiropractor, and this is a new chiropractor, and, uh, 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 and I got there and, you know, I had signed up for this like assessment and, you know, we're going to assess your spine health. And uh, that sounds great, right? But I go in and when I go into the, <laughs> the chiropractor, you know, I'm like this. I'm like all hungover, which not what you think, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm all like, I'm all hunched, hunched over. That's the word. I'm all hunched over, sorry. And I go in there. And, and he's all like, oh, well, let's talk about your spine health. And he's, you know, got these questionnaires. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about anything. I'm just like, I'm in pain. Like, I, I could hardly get the words out. And he's like, oh, I see you're in a little pain here, you know. And tell me what's going on. And so I'm like, I'm like it hurts here, and I can't move. And, you know, and, I, and he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, uh, don't, don't, don't go ahead. Don't, uh, uh, you know, he said, just stand there, just stand there. And so I start telling him all of these things, and I get the feeling that he's not listening to me. You ever, you ever have that when you go to your doctor? And, and I'm starting to get, I can't breathe, I'm hurting, and I'm like, this guy doesn't even know what I'm doing. You know, he's not listening to me. And, and, and here's what happened, though. So after we talked through all this, he said, okay. He said, all right, let's go. And we lay on the table, you know. He's like, can you get on the table? I think I can get on the table. You know, I lay on the thing. And he's kind of, you know, just checking me out and all that kind of stuff. He's not, thankfully, not like, you know, elbowing me in the back or standing on me or anything. He's just trying to figure things out. And he says to me this. He says, okay, all right, here's, I figured it out. He's like, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, well, I hurt here and I hurt here. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, there's a root issue here. There's a source problem here. 
And he said, we're going to treat the source of the pain. And he said, and all those other symptoms that you're feeling here and here in your leg and everything, he said, it's all going to go away because we're going to treat the source. There's a singular issue uh, that we need to get, uh, get here to. Now, I don't tell you that story so you feel bad for me today, although that's a part of it. But I'm wearing these shoes because they're very comfortable. And me wearing dress shoes today, I was just like, I don't want to do this for two services. My back is killing me. By the way, I'm here today uh, only because of my doctor. So I like him. He's new. Anyway, I went there yesterday and he's, I I told him, I said, I have a thing on Saturday and I have to speak twice on, speak twice on Sunday. He said, okay, we'll try to get you at least walking a little bit. So thankfully he got me walking and I'm thankful for that. Um, So if you see me kind of and stop and, or if I say something weird, I am on some medication today, a little, just a a lot. But uh, so anyway, so all of this, I say this. So here's what I'm trying to get across. There's a point to this. I promise. That's why I'm wearing these shoes. All right. Uh, no, but the point is, is that, you know, I was looking at all of, these, all of these symptoms in my body, right, where I'm hurting and all of these things. And he said, no, no, it's back to the source. There's, there's, a, there's a, a source issue. He says, we're going to treat that first of all. And the other things are going to take care of themselves. Now, when it comes to our lesson today, Jesus said, I am the true vine. What does that mean? That means that he is the source. Not, not because he brings pain. Don't, don't equate Jesus with pain here, okay? But because Jesus is the source of abundant life. Everything else stems off of the fact that he is the true vine. And he refers to himself in this way to those that were gathered. Now to that culture and to the people that were listening to this, they would have understood because in those days there were uh, uh, wine, uh, 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 grape vines and stuff like all over the place. I mean, Israel, that's what, one of the things that it's known for. I don't know if you, I had an Italian neighbor. Anybody else have an Italian neighbor that had, had grape vines? And man, they had it everywhere. I used to love going over there as a kid and we'd pull all the, uh, you know, the grapes off and they'd come and Nona, she'd come out and yell at me. It's great. We're family friends, so it's okay. And, uh, and uh, we would come. But one of the things that was so unique about their house is that they had these uh, grape vines all over their garage. So or they had like kind of a, they had a garage and they had a carport and they built metal or wood poles, like covered the whole thing and these vines just went everywhere. But here's one of the unique things about it and about grapevines, if you don't know much about it, and I don't know a ton about it, but one of the things that was unique about them is that no matter how many vines they had, they had them all over the place, every single one of them could be traced back to this main, main vine. I don't know what to call it. This main, and it was in the ground and it came up out of the ground and it was probably this big around, you know, it was huge. And it came up out of the ground in the corner and then everything else branched off of that. Everything else, that was the source. That's what went into the soil though. Even though it was a a paved thing, there was this huge vine that went right in there and it was the source, okay? Everything else branched off of that. Now this is what Jesus is trying to get across to us. He's trying to say to us that he says, listen, I am the true vine. I am the source. I I am the nutrient. I'm everything that you need For all of this other stuff that's going on, to bear fruit, Jesus says, I am the true vine. You need to go to me. Now, again, this is in a culture and in a place where people equated Israel, being an Israelite, as having access to God, right? They equated being an Israelite. If you said, hey, how do I get close to God? And you went to the priest, he would say, okay, well, first of all, all right, if you're a man, you need to be circumcised. Uh, You need to to, uh, follow all the laws. You need to, uh, here's, you know, here's 613 laws for you to follow. You need to keep all of the holy days. You need to do all of this stuff, and then you'll be right with God. But Jesus said, no, 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 it's not about that at all. It's all about being connected to the vine, the true vine, who is Jesus Christ here. And that's what he's trying to get across to them. He says, it's not about being an Israelite. It's not about anything like that. You just simply need to be connected in. You need to be grafted in. You need to be connected to the true vine. And church, that is so true today as well. So many people today, what do they do? They think that if they're going to get close to God, if they're going to connect into uh, some sort of spiritual experience, then they need to go to a church. 
They need to be religious, right? They need to uh, do a mass or they need to cross themselves or they need to do some sort of thing that connects them to God. But Jesus is saying, no, no, above all else, I am still the source. I am the one. I am the vine. And that's what he's saying to them. Salvation is through him and true life is through him as well. I want to remind you of Romans 3.23 that tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse number 25 and 26 says, for whom... Uh, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's a word that means appeasement. God is, uh, Jesus has been the appeasement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ. So salvation being made right with God is seen through the true vine, which is Jesus being connected into the vine. And that's the message that he's trying to get across him. He says, listen, I am, remember he'd always said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I am the true vine and salvation is through him. And I know you're saying here today, okay, Gary, I got it. I know that, I know that. You're like, yes, amen. Yeah, Christian said, amen, right? Because that's, that's a truth that we can say amen to. Jesus is the source, right? But there's greater implications to what Jesus is trying to get across to here. And this is what we're going to spend the rest of our time in today as we finish out the passage there in verse number two of Romans 15. Nothing like going to church and watching a guy sweat for a while, huh? I'm sorry for you guys in the front rows here. <laughs> oh, we just went up another degree. All right. Hey, it's still better than, uh, than what it could be. Here we go. Verse number two. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, uh, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. There's some key words here, abide, purge. We're going to talk about those. Then he says this, in case you were wondering, I am the vine, <laughs> ye are the branches. Okay, now we, we understand here. He's talking about the branches, that's us. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And then in verse number six, he says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And then verse seven and eight, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. There's some connections here to what he's saying, bearing fruit and discipleship. He is continuing this illustration. And like I mentioned, he identified for us point number two, we are the branches. So Jesus is the true vine. We, and I say we, that's disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, people who are saved. He tells them, you are the branches. We are the branches. Now, what we've seen in this passage we just read is that he defines us as branches, right? But he also says that there's two kinds of branches. I don't know if you keyed in on that. I want you to see. There's two types of disciples. There's two types of followers of Jesus Christ. He says there, there are true followers of Christ, but he also talked about false followers of Jesus Christ. We would say, and he said here, there are some that are living followers. There are fruit-bearing followers. And then there are some that are dead. They're not alive at all. Now, what is he trying to say? He's trying to tell us, and he's trying to get a, across an important point is that it is possible for people to say they are Christians and not, in fact, be a Christian. That's what he's trying to say. This is not about you doubting your salvation or wondering if you have enough fruits of righteousness to prove that you are saved somehow. What he's trying to say to us is that it is possible, though, that someone might say they are a Christian and, in fact, not be a true believer in, uh, in Jesus Christ. And, and that brings up a good point for us to remember that 
following Jesus Christ, at some point you're going to come to a dividing line in your life. If you're a person, there's a lot of people who casually follow Jesus, right? They're like, I love Jesus, a bunchy, bunchy, right? That's a song. Anyway, um, you probably never heard that. And they say stuff like that, like, oh, man, like, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. They don't really follow Jesus, though, do they? They say they follow Jesus and they like the idea of following Jesus. But eventually, if somebody like that truly does go to church and truly does read the Bible and is truly confronted with it, there's going to be a dividing line, isn't there? There's going to be a moment where it's like, okay, are you really a follower of Christ or are you just pretending to be a follower of Christ? Are you really, or are you just fronting? Are you just telling people because you, whatever you think it's a good thing for you to have a spiritual side to you? See, Jesus is divisive. And if somebody begins to truly follow him, uh, he's going to divide the true disciples from the false disciples and it will be revealed. That's why in verse two, he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. It's the idea that uh, it is possible for people to fake it for a bit, for a time, but ultimately it will be revealed. If a person's life does not bear any fruit at all, if a person's life has no evidence of God doing a work within them, then it is possible that they truly are not followers of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, by the way, it's not our job to judge that, okay? We love to be fruit inspectors, don't we? Like, ooh, let me look at that. Oh, there's a bruise, <laughs> right? We like to do that. We like to look at everybody else. Now, that's not our job to judge that. We can't be like, well, you know what? I don't know. This would be a terrible thing to say, by the way. I don't know if they're really saved, you know, to, 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 to claim that about somebody else. But the point that Jesus is making is that it is possible for people to save their disciples and not truly be disciples. Maybe some of you came from that point in your life. Maybe there's a time where you grew up in church and you're like, well, because I've been here since I was a little kid, I must be a follower of Jesus, but you've never accepted Christ as your savior. So it is possible. And that's what he's trying to say to them here. He's, that's why he's making these definitive statements. He's saying there's a, it's possible there's a false vine. Of course, Israel was compared to a vine, by the way. In Isaiah chapter five, uh, it was described as a vine that was cared for and loved. But in verse number seven of Isaiah five, it says that they gave, uh, uh, gave forth grapes that could not be eaten. So they would have recognized that connection, the falsehood of pursuing religion. And maybe some of you have done that. You've pursued religion and not a relationship with Christ. And you know there's a dividing line that eventually comes. And so he's saying here that there's a bit of a, a division here. And he wants to reveal and he wants to show who are the true followers of Christ. And what he wants to see then in his true followers is that they would bear fruit. I'm sure you saw that all throughout those verses. He's like, I want you to bear fruit. And he used that word uh, there in verse, uh, verse, number, um, uh, verse number two, uh, sorry, in verse number two, where he talks about uh, that every branch that beareth fruit, so a, a, a branch that is already bearing fruit, he purges it, purges it. That's the idea of pruning it. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, concept of pruning uh, plants. Anybody here ever do something like that? I remember as a kid in like, I think it was elementary school, we had like a bonsai tree, you know, and it was like our class project and we're always over there with scissors, you know, and there's always the one kid who cut too much off and the teacher would be like, yeah. Anyway, it's another story for another day. Uh, you prune it, you know, and you try to shape it. Uh, I remember my, my neighbors, like I talked about, every uh, year after they'd harvest all the grapes, they would just take a knife to that thing and they would just shred it. And I remember going there and be like, what are you guys doing? Well, and the reason they would do that is because for a plant to continue to bear fruit more and more and to grow in that area, you have to prune it, you have to hack it, you have to cut it, you have to choose the direction you want it to go in. And here's the point. God is saying, I want my followers to bear fruit. He said, but I'm going to uh, prune it sometimes. And here's what I want us to understand, church. The only way that that can happen is if God comes into your life and God begins to maybe cut away, to strip away, to snip away some of those areas in your life that need to be corrected so that you might bear fruit. 
What do we learn about God here? Here's what we learn about God. It's that God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to your comfort. We are so committed to our own comfort, aren't we? Come on, be honest with me. We are committed to our comfort. But here God is saying, as, as the almighty God who loves his children, who gave his life for them, who desires for them to bear fruit, he says, I'm more committed to you bearing fruit than I am to your own comfort. And so that means that God will come alongside of us sometimes and he will allow difficulties. He will clip at us. He'll convict us. He'll work in us. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a fun situation necessarily. But what he is doing in that is he is trying to bring you to a place where you will be a greater fruit-bearing Christian. Many of you have heard of John Newton before. He's the one who wrote Amazing Grace. And I want to read you this opening of his letter to a friend that I thought was so powerful along this subject. He says, at length, and without further apology for my silence, I sit down to ask you how you fare. Now, that's way better than I do it in emails. We're like, sorry, man, I didn't get back to you right away. <laughs> he said, that's very nice. Very good job, John Newton. It must be a songwriter. So he says, at length and without further apology, I sit down to ask you how you fare. Listen, listen what he says. He says, afflictions, I hear, have been your lot. And if I had not heard so, I should have taken it for granted. For I believe the Lord loves you, and as many as he loves, he chastens. That means corrects. I think you can say afflictions have been good for you. And I doubt not, but you have found strength according to your day, so that though you may have been sharply tried, you have not been overpowered. I like what he says there. John Newton, as he writes to his friend, he says, I've heard you've had trouble. He said, but even if I hadn't heard that, I would have assumed that because I know God loves you. Now, this kind of goes against the common mindset of a lot of Christians because we think, oh man, I'm with God. It's all good. It's all good all the time. But what this reveals to us in this passage is that God does come and he does correct us. He chastens us, of course, is the word there. He prunes us. He shapes us into something and he's trying to shape us into something that is better than we are right now. God is trying to make you a more fruitful Christian than you are right now, but it takes sometimes some sharp pain. It takes some difficulty, but I got to tell you, church family, when we go through trials, when we know that God is working in us and we, we maybe are struggling with guilt about some sin or some things that we are trying to get right and things that we're struggling with, I want you to know that that is a reminder to us of God's commitment and his love to us because he's saying, I don't want you to remain as you are. I want you to become a greater bearer of fruit. And sometimes when that happens, we think, God, it's good enough. I'm bearing enough fruit. It's all good. I had this grape kind of popped up, you know, like it's all good. I got one. <laughs> you know, I witnessed to a friend, I'm good for a couple of years. But what is God saying? He says, no, no, no. He said, I want you to bear more fruit. That, notice he said, he, he prunes those that are already bearing fruit. That means he's growing us, he's building us, he's making us stronger. He wants to see more happen. And, and when this happens to us, church, we need to remember that this is an encouragement from God to remain faithful, to remain connected. And, and you say, well, how do I do that if God's going to chop me up and God's going to reveal who I truly am? And if you've been through that, it can be a painful experience. Man, over the years, to have God reveal to me things in my life that need to be changed. And that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to sit in a service or to be reading the word of God on your own and to have God's Holy Spirit of conviction sharply tell me, hey, Paul, you need to fix this. You need to apologize about this. You need to get this right. You need to change this. And I fight against it and I say, I don't want to do this. God, I'm a pastor. I'm doing good things. This is my mindset, just so you know. 
I'm doing good things. I'm preaching the word. I'm, I, I'm trying to lead our church family in your direction, God. I want to help people find you. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to be a fruit-bearing Christian too. And it's hard. And it's difficult. But it's God showing me that he loves me and that he's committed to me. And he says, I want you to be a fruit-bearing Christian. You're, you're the branch. You're the branch. I'm the vine. I'm the source. And that's the great thing about it is he says, I'm going to do that to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct you. I'm going to point you. I want to develop you and shape you into who I want you to be. But he doesn't leave us without hope because what does he say here? He says, I'm the vine, right? Remember, he is the source then. We are the branches. We are grafted in. I don't know if you've ever studied out what it looks like to graft a branch. And there's some really cool uh, technologies that are out there where they graft different kinds of fruit-bearing trees together. And you know, like how else do you think we got to grapple, right? Anyway, there's, there's some other things out there and they do this by uh, uh, grafting in branches and they'll, what they'll do is they'll take a branch from a living tree and take a, a, another tree that's alive and they'll, they'll make a notch or a cut and they'll put that branch in there and they'll bind it up. They kind of coat it in a wax and eventually over time, I did some study this week, it was interesting, of trees that have been grafted together uh, like 50 and 100 years ago and it's just amazing. Like, you almost not tell, but they know, but there's two different kinds of trees and all this kind of stuff that they do. And he's saying that, okay, you are grafted in. That's a great spiritual principle. We don't have time to get into that today uh, too much. But he says, when you're connected into the vine, what does that mean? That means that that, that thickness, that vine, the, the source vine that is Jesus, then becomes the source for all things. See, that's why he says in verse number four and five, he says there, abide in me and I in you. It's the idea of us coming together in Christ. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide uh, in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You know, the word ab abide there, uh, sometimes we get confused by that when we see it in scripture because we kind of equate it to an emotion or an experience, like this thing that we kind of like, I don't know, like we just feel like, oh, I, I'm abiding in Christ. We say it like that, abiding in Christ. You know, it's like we, have the, we kind of equate it to a feeling. Jesus is not equating it to a feeling here. He's saying this is a fixed reality. Like this is a real thing abiding in him. He's saying to us, true disciples, if you're a true disciple of me, you're connected to me. You are, uh, we are united together. And so because we're united together through Christ, through what he's done for us, you need to continue to stay connected to the source. Uh, get your life from me. Get your focus from me. Live your life out of a connection with me. It's like that person in your life who always has a coffee in their hand. You know anyone like that? Uh, John was here in the first service. You guys know uh, John Souza, man. That guy's always got a coffee. He says, <laughs> always, always, right? And it's funny, when I said it in the first service, his wife like slapped him on the back. She's like, he's the one, you know? And he's always got a coffee everywhere he goes. And to us, we're like, man, that's his life source, right? And that's, the, and that's his life source right there. He's got a coffee, um, you know? And, and uh, back when Red Bull was cool, I remember people, they just always got a Red Bull in their hand. And I was like, man, you must be tired all the time. But... They, they always have that, and we say that's the source. So this is what he's trying to, that's, that's kind of what he's saying here. He's saying you need to be always, there, there should be that, that connection that's always happening. See, a branch is only alive if the sap goes from the trunk into the branch. Now, interesting thing about vines that are about branches, um, uh, grape branches, is that you can actually cut them off, and you could, you could like just throw it aside on the ground, and it would actually sprout leaves, but it will not bear fruit unless it's connected to the vine. Now, here's a, a great principle. There are people and there are things that sometimes they're not really connected to the source, but there's this evidence of growth. Does that make sense? There's an evidence that things are happening. They look like, uh, like a grapevine. They look like they're connected, but they will not survive the test of time unless it is connected to the root, to the source. So when we get saved, we are connected into the source. 
And so we need to abide in that source. That means we need to remain connected, continue to pull our, our strength and our, our faith and our desires from him as a source. And we must realize that without him, we cannot, without that connection to the source, we cannot please God. It's impossible for you. It's possible for you to sing on a worship team, and of course, and, and it's possible for you to give an offering, and it's possible for you to answer questions in the discussion group. It's possible for you to hand out notes and sanitize a chair or serve in Kids City. It's possible for you to do all of those things, but apart from Christ, if it's not from a true heart of service, it will not please God. Service outside of being connected into the source is nothing more than just self-righteous fruit. That's all it is. And self-righteous fruit is always rotten at the core because it is not from God. It does not please him. I'm reminded of Isaiah 64, verse 6, that says, For we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If we're not abiding in Christ the things that we do to appear as if we're spiritual, to appear like we're connected, that, to appear that we're uh, these, these unique uh, individuals is nothing because it's just out of, a, out of just a, a selfish heart. I gotta tell you, church, I've lived, I've lived seasons of my life like that where because I knew what to do, I knew what to say, I, I knew how to act, I had the appearance that I was connected to the vine. But in fact, it was just all selfishness. It was all just... I wasn't connected to the source. And I'll tell you what, those seasons of my life where I was doing things outside of being connected to Christ, it was for nothing. It's for nothing. Because it, it does not bring honor and glory to God unless we're truly connected to the source. Look back with me at verse number six of John 15. He says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth of the branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. This is, again, a, a, re, a reconnection back to the idea that there are false disciples. There are people that say, but in fact, they are not. And here we see a very clear warning that unless there is a, a true connection into God, eventually it will be revealed and they'll be gathered up. And the warning is pretty clear, will be cast into the fire. That means that there are people, certainly, that are not saved who like to believe that they are saved, but ultimately there is judgment that would be waiting for them. And I would encourage you today, if you're here and you've never put your faith or your trust in Jesus Christ, you've never truly followed Jesus, then the Bible does tell us there is a judgment that is waiting you. And it's from a righteous judge, Jesus Christ, God himself. And right now he is giving you an opportunity to trust him. And if you've never trusted him, I wanna challenge you please to make that decision today. But for those of us that know Jesus Christ, that are connected to him, our fruit proves to others that we are his disciples. The evidence of our lives proves to them. And here in verse number eight, I want you to notice, he said, my father is glorified that ye bear much fruit. You see that? There's a way that we bring glory to God by having a true fruit bearing life where there's evidence of our walk with God. And then as well, it says, so shall you be my disciples, meaning people will know that you're my, my disciple by your fruit. In other words, God is saying the world can judge your fruit. As Christians, we should not be judging one another in that way. But you know what? For the world, an unsaved world, they should be able to look at us and make a judgment. That person follows Christ. That person is different. That person has something that is different than what I have. And our fruit will expose us for who we are, which is Christians. Now, as Christians, we work hard to not expose ourselves to others, right? And we're like, we try to pretend like we're not Christians. Hey, we're good at this. 
hey, I've done this, you know, and God may be even speaking to me like, hey, Lord, uh, God says, Paul, maybe you should witness this person. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, or I'm talking with somebody that I'm meeting for the first time and they say something. I'm like, I should say something about church here. Or I should, you know, give evidence that and, and we hide it. But our fruit should give it away that we are followers of Jesus Christ. You know, church, it is an amazing privilege, first of all, to be connected to the vine, isn't it? To be saved, to have that, to have that connection to, to the roots, Jesus Christ. But not only is it a privilege to be saved, it's a privilege to have that resource that is given to us, that we can be connected into the vine, that we can be nurtured by the husband and, of course, identified as the father, and then to bear fruit, and then to bear fruit. The question is, is are we fruitful branches? That's the question. Are you and I fruitful branches of our relationship with God? Is God glorified in us? Do others know and see that there is fruit in us? Now, we didn't have the time to uh, dig in today to all the evidences of fruit of the Christian life. Of course, we know about the fruit of the Spirit, right? We know that. We know that's an aspect of fruit. Here in this passage alone, there is, uh, uh, it tells us that there's fruit of answered prayer. Uh, true fruit is answered prayer. Uh, glorifying God, and a joy that is unexplainable. Later on in 1 John, if you were to take the time to go there, John talks about eight evidences of a person that is abiding in Christ. And that would be a great study for you to do in the book of 1 John, same author. And he wrote, and he talked about all these different evidences. And for sake of time today, and because I know the temperature was gonna be rising the whole service, I didn't uh, take the time to dig into all of that. That'd be a good study for you to do yourself. There's plenty of evidence in scripture as to what fruit looks like. So if you're wondering, if you're like, well, what does that really mean? There's tons of evidence out there. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. But the point is, is are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Is there evidence in your life of the Holy Spirit's work in you? You know, sometimes, sometimes I recognize there may not be any outward fruit, let's say, like visible, you know what I mean, that you and I would maybe see. But is there evidence in your own heart that God is working in you? When you read the word, when you listen to preaching, does the Holy Spirit speak to you? That's evidence right there. That's fruit of being willing to listen and obey. Is there a joyful heart? Is there a heart that desires to obey God? Is there a passion for the church, for the local church? Is there a desire to be around other believers? All of these are fruits and evidences that can be cultivated and can, and can grow in our life, of course. But are you a fruitful Christian? Maybe for some of you, you're in a time of pruning right now. And you're in a difficult situation and there's been some struggles and you're just sort of like, keep asking the question, why God instead of what God are you trying to do? And we need to remember to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to how are you trying to build? I'm not talking about the consequences of our sin. Sometimes we like to say that, you know. We're, we're, we, we try to pretend it's something else rather than consequences. But if God's really working in us or there's a situation that's out of our control and God is saying, I want you to trust me, I want you to know me, maybe God is doing some pruning. Maybe he's trying to develop and build more fruit in your life through this. And ask God, I say, God, how can I grow in this? And I would say as well to abide in the vine then. Well, we do want to thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. You can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver. Uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account, Advanced City Baptist. 
And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are looking forward to next week's message from our new series, I Am. We love you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you.